This is the Divine Peace Church Rockwall Podcast. Every week, we'll share a message focusing on teaching solid biblical truth in our community. Service will continue with the sermon. Again, the sermon is based on our New Testament reading from Romans chapter 1, and it's 18 to 25 if you're following at home. Or here, you can follow along. Again, in that Pew Bible, if you brought your Bible from home, or if you have some kind of a Bible app, great places to follow along in the text. First, we'll begin with this prayer, and again, this morning, the psalm for today was Psalm 19, so you see where this prayer comes from. It's the last verse of Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Kids, have something to show you, something fun, something you may even have uh, hanging up in your room. So this is a box of glow stars. So I know, glow stars are awesome. Uh, My sister had them in her room, uh, mostly because the light probably would have bugged me while I was trying to sleep. Um, But you kids may have some in your room, or you've probably seen commercials for and you probably want some. Adults, you know that you can stick these guys in the ceiling or on the walls. You also know a great place to find them is behind dressers or underneath beds or probably stuck to the back of your shirt uh, if you're wondering where they all went. So glow stars are awesome. You can just put them out in the sunlight or under a light and they still call that light up and then a lot of times they'll glow like all night. It's amazing. But glow stars, like the star stars up in the sky, were all manufactured. They were all made by somebody. If you want to know who made glow stars, you can just look on the back of the package, and it's got like the year they were made, it's got the greater company that made them, it even has like the city, the state, the zip codes, all kinds of great information here if you want to know who manufactured these. Now, if you're thinking about the big stars in the sky, you are correct. There is no box that they are contained in for you to go and check out the manufacturer information. However, if you would like to find out the manufacturer, better known as the creator, information, you can simply look in the Bible. And God very clearly says he is the one who created those stars. So denying that stars of any kind simply appeared and were not created is foolish. Again, whether it's the great blazing stars in the sky or those fun little stars that come in a glow box. For example, if someone came up to you and told you about their finding of a box of glow stars in like a parking lot or on a sidewalk somewhere. And they were telling you about when they found them and then they went into their theory about how they got there. And they were like, and then they get all excited and their eyes fill with wonder and sparkles and they get really detailed. They even start using like really complex terms and scientific terms and they're like, yeah, I think, you know, it took a long time for for these glow stars to get here but I'm sure that over a long enough period of time with the elements and little things working together, all of these little stars, they started to form in these patterns. And it just happened to have the property that if you put it out in the light, that it'll soak that light up and then it'll glow for a little while. And then later on, they all got collected together and then, and then this box, it started to form around them of this different material. And then even the colors on that box formed and it, and it made letters. And now we use those letters to describe what's in the box. Now, if that happened to you, I don't know if you would have the patience to get through that whole uh, talk, Uh, but maybe you would. I'm guessing, though, at some point, and again, maybe at the end, you would say, no, that is not how that box got there. Some guy or gal uh, went to the store and bought them, and it just happened to fall out of their bag, and then you found them. 
And that big box store, it got them from the manufacturer because those were designed and created. That's how it works. And the same is true of the stars in the sky. And we hear that, again, in Psalm 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. The stars in the sky, even the sky itself, whether day or night, they attest to the fact that they did not simply appear, they did not simply come from nothing, they did not come from things more simple than they are and become these greater and more complex systems and different kinds of things, things that were formed from inanimate objects. Even without a manufacturer's label, even without their own words or speech or language, the great burning stars in the sky pour forth plain and clear speech to every individual person in the whole world throughout time. That they are created and that there is a creator who created our vast and complex and interdependent world and the heavens and the earth and the universe, all of these things that come together to support created life. Stars are created, whether it's the little stars in the glow box or the large burning stars in the sky. Denying God as the creator, though, has much greater uh, implications than just, you know, did he create the stars or not? In today's New Testament reading from Romans 1, God reveals denying him as a creator, again, goes far beyond this. Denying him as a creator exchanges the truth for lies. It makes somebody godless and wicked and impure, and it makes God angry with them. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, the wrath of God, so God's wrath, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what be, may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse." So there's no excuse to deny God's existence, that he is the creator. And just a helpful little fun tidbit, that word that we translate right there at the end, excuse, that Greek word is where we get our English word apologetic. So God made his existence plain, clear, and obvious in his creation of the heavens and the earth. So there is no excuse, there is no apologetic against his existence. There's no argument, no defense, no explanation that can remove God from reality. And those who do deny God's existence are godless and wicked, and God is angry with them. And they bring God's wrath out, again, because denial of him as the creator does not simply have to deal with his creation of the universe, but it goes far beyond this, and it touches all aspects of our life. As we continue in Romans 1, it says, For although they knew God... They neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, 
and reptiles. So this willful, systematic rejection of God does not make you wise, but foolish. Foolish in how you think, foolish in how you live. And there is no thankfulness, there is no giving glory to God. There is no wisdom among those who deny God's existence. They are foolish for exchanging worship of the Creator, the highest being, in order to worship things not just even at their level, but things that are actually less than them. They worship things that are less than they are. And again, for this rejection of the plain and clear truth of God's existence, we read in Romans 1, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. So God goes on and he says, fine, if this is the way that you want to have it, if you want to reject me as a creator, then I will give you over to this godless, wicked way of living. I will give you over to an animalistic way of living that is consumed by lust and carnal desires for one another, where selfishness and emotion reigns in your life. And it's how you, it's how you dictate your life. It's how you perceive all the other people in your life. It is this darkened way of living. It degrades you as a human being. It takes you from being the greatest thing, the pinnacle of God's creation, the, the final thing that he wanted to make, that everything else serves in his wonderful creation to have life. It takes you from that highest position, and it brings you far down, so that, again, you are worshiping things that are even inanimate sometimes, or at least things that are far less than a human being. It brings you down this path of wickedness and sin. It separates you from God, and you, you put your hope in these things that are not God that cannot save you, that cannot give you life or hope for eternal life. And you often join God in his wrath, in his condemnation against these, those that have abandoned the truth about God for a lie. Now God is justified in his wrath against them, that he created them and made it so obvious, but they reject him and they pursue so many other things. God is justified in his wrath against them. And again, so often you, you join in that outpouring of condemnation against the godless and the wicked. You put yourself really right next to God and how you speak and think and act towards those that are lost. But as you condemn the wicked and the godless, as you condemn the rampant sexual immorality that is all around us, those who deny God's very clear male and female purpose in creation, you abandon God as well. You're not acting as God made you to be, this new believer that God has opened your eyes to understanding. As you condemn the wicked, you too have worshipped created things. For example, you abandon worship of the one true God to listen to, to bow down to, to follow the call, to live like, think like, wish you could be like mortal beings. You try to be like your coworkers, your family members, classmates, influencers, politicians, newscasters, scientists, religious leaders, or those who claim to be religious leaders, philosophers, producers, artists, whatever else. Put somebody else in that category. Anytime you put that person in that place of God where you are worshiping them, you are thankful for them, where you glorify them, that's called idolatry. 
That's godlessness. And you too, you have fallen into the temptations. You've fallen into the sins of impurity and the degrading of your body in ways that you all understand and I don't need to go into great detail about. You all have been tempted to perhaps not totally give up, but to mingle God as the creator also with these fun little theories about evolution and things and fuse them together as if both could exist together, but they cannot. Or perhaps you do have a staunch stance on it, but when others bring up that topic, you fall silent because you fear the repercussions of people more than you fear God Almighty who is watching you and who has called you to proclaim his clear truth to all people. And you're not clear with others. Rather than being clear with them, rather than as seeing them too as an immortal soul that needs to hear the clear truth of Scripture about God as a creator, even about their sin, and then also telling them about God's forgiveness, instead of doing all that, you remain silent. So yes, God's wrath is poured out against the wicked and the godless, but you are not innocent either. See, sin is the great equalizer. Scripture's message about sin puts us all on the same level as we have failed. And so God is right. He is right in his righteous anger against us that we have failed him. We are sinful creatures, and there is one good, holy creator, and none are righteous before him. But then we find this in Scripture. We find that our creator himself saved us from his own wrath. Last week, the sermon was based on a reading from Isaiah. This week, too, our reading is from Isaiah, different section, our Old Testament reading. We hear from Isaiah 44. This is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. So again, at the time of Isaiah, he was serving the southern kingdom of Judah. They had abandoned the truth about God for lies. They had fallen into idolatry. So God was angry against them. He allowed them to be destroyed at the hands of the Babylonians and deported, but his wrath did not last forever. They were only there for 70 years, and God promised this great deliverance. But his words of deliverance were more than just about an earthly deliverance. They spanned and applied to all people of all time. Here in Isaiah 44, we hear God himself call himself by many different names. Calls himself Israel's king, calls himself the Lord. He is the Lord Almighty. He is the first and the last. In other words, he is immortal. He is without beginning or end. And he is God. And he also uses the term redeemer. So again, to deliver all people from God's own wrath, God himself was born. He took on flesh and became one of us. And he redeemed us. In other words, he bought us back through Jesus. And again, that redemption price was Jesus' own life sacrificed on the cross. There on the cross, Jesus endures all of God's wrath, all of the wrath that he would be righteous to have against all of you and against me. Our wickedness and our godlessness or even trying to sit in his seat and be judgmental against those around us. All that wrath was poured out on Jesus alone. And so you have been forgiven. You have been set free. You have been bought back with the payment of Jesus' own life. But God even went beyond that. 
God also saved us through his righteousness. So in the verse from Romans chapter 1, the verse right before our reading, from Romans 1, 18 to 25, in verse 17, we hear, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So you are no longer under God's wrath, you are under God's righteousness. God was righteous in the fact that he punished sin. He was right to punish sin, but see, he punished Jesus instead of you. So punishment has been made, it just wasn't taken out on you. And he was also righteous. He has given you the gift of his righteousness by faith. So God has paid for your sinful record, but now he's given you this new status through Jesus. So God sees you now no longer as wicked and godless, but as righteous. And he does that through faith. And Paul gets at this a little bit later in Romans chapter 8. He says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in other words, you could say righteous, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. In this, we see God wanted you to be saved from his wrath. Knowing your life, he sent Jesus to save you. And he chose you, and he called you to faith. And this faith takes hold of God's own righteousness so that you have this new record and you are found good and perfect in his eyes. And so complete is God's promise and his guarantee and what he has finished and done for you through Jesus that he says already, you are glorified. But we know we will actually be glorified in heaven, but so certain is God of this that he says, you are glorified now, even though in time we have not been. This is the great news that he shares with us in Romans, that God has done all of these things for us. He has redeemed us, and he has also restored us through Jesus. So we have no fear of God's wrath through Jesus. So now, teach, teach others about God's wrath. Again, it's so easy for us to fall into wanting to just condemn the wicked world. It's so easy for us to pray, God, just bring an end to it all now. Send the wicked to hell. Take me to heaven. But in our gospel reading from Matthew 13, we get a different perspective. We get God's perspective, his love, and his wisdom. And so Jesus tells us this parable. He talks about this guy who during the day he went and sowed the good seed, which is wheat, into his garden. Then, understandably, went to sleep, was a little bit tired, working out in the sun all day. During the night, the enemy came and sowed bad seed, the weeds among all the weeds. Well, a couple weeks go by and everything sprouts up, and the servants notice that it's not just wheat in the field. So they come to the master, hey, he wants to go and pull out all the weeds, and he says, no, leave it, leave all of it. The wheat and the weeds, let them grow together until the harvest. Then at the harvest, when the wheat has fully grown, when it has sprouted, when it is ready to be taken, then we can harvest the weeds. We'll tie them up and we can burn them. It'll be done. But then we can have the wheat fully grown, untouched, allowed to live. And then Jesus explains all of this. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. 
So often we want a quick fix to evil in the world. That God would just put an end to it. But God is patient with his plan to punish evil. Now he's already started. God's wrath is being poured out against the godless and the wicked with the degrading of their bodies and their pursuits of sinful things that simply bring about an unpleasant way of living at some point in their life. And we know, too, at the end of the age, on Judgment Day, God will finally put a kibosh on all of the evil, and he will punish them forever in hell. We know that will happen, too. By God's grace, you know about God's wrath. You know about Judgment Day. Through faith, you have no fear of that day. Through faith, you have God's righteousness, and so you know when you stand before God on Judgment Day, you will claim Jesus and his perfect life, and you have no fear. But again, there are these described in Romans chapter 1. There are those that have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. There are many who have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. But the harvest has not come. The end has not yet come for them. So you, again, knowing all of these wonderful things, you get to talk to them. You get to, in a very simple way, bring up God by pointing to his creation. Whatever you want to point to. Creation's full of wonderful things. Point to the stars. Point to a tree. Point to the human body. Point to the vastness of the universe. Point to the intricacies of the many different systems that exist in the world. Whatever you want. Whatever tickles your fancy about creation. Bring that up. And then bring up the creator. Bring up God. And then, likely the conversation will go in two different ways. For those that reject the Creator, for those that are very comfortable in their life, that do not see themselves as sinful, that have no fear of God, of judgment, or of the way that they live their lives, talk about God's wrath. Be clear about their sin and how God treats it and a punishment that awaits them. And leave it. You don't have to go further than that. You don't have to get very detailed. You don't have to get diminutive in how you speak with them, speak very plainly and honestly, and leave God's law to do its work in their hearts. The Holy Spirit works through both law and gospel. And then pray. Now, on the other hand, you may talk to somebody about the Creator and creation, and they share with you, yeah, I do believe in God, but I'm afraid. You don't know the stuff that I've done in my life, and I carry around a lot of guilt every day. Put on a great show, Watch a ton of YouTube videos. My makeup's looking good. I got a great job. I have a sweet truck with a, whatever, big lift, big tires. Like, everything's good in my life, but it's not. And I'm afraid, because I know someday I'll die. And I'm scared that I'll die and nothing will happen. Or I'm scared that I'm going to die and I'm going to face God and I'm not good enough. And then, then what? Is there a bad play? Like, what happens? For that person that's scared and afraid, then just share Jesus. Say, friend, all that stuff that you carry, all that fear, all of God's wrath, that was poured out on Jesus. That's why he died. But death did not hold him. God poured out all of his wrath and there was none left. And Jesus rose. And now he has made you perfect. He has given you the gift of his righteousness. He says, you're, my record is now yours. You're found good and worthy. There's no fear of death. Death is simply a portal that you will walk through, and then you'll be welcomed into my kingdom, free of charge. You know the harvest is coming, and you are ready for it. You have no fear anymore of God's wrath because of your Savior Jesus, but some do not. And so teach them. 
You can even bring this up. You can talk about the glow stars, or you talk about the big bright stars in heaven. They both have a creator. To deny that somebody created a box of glow stars is foolish. Got the manufacturing date right on it. To deny the creator goes far beyond just, oh, did he create the world? It impacts your entire life, not just now, but for forever. And God's wrath is poured out on you if you do not recognize him. But by the grace and love of God, he took his own wrath out on himself, his son Jesus, and he died. And he rose, and he has given you the gift of his righteousness. And so heaven is yours. And so now, every time that you see a star, I don't care if it's a little glow star or the big, amazing, bright, shining thing in the sky, remember God created that. And remember, he created you, and he saved you. And you are a citizen of his heaven. You will go to be with him there forever. While you are in this world, God's wrath is being poured out to warn those who abandon the truth about God for lies. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Divine Peace Church Rockwall podcast. For video sermon archives, more information, and to let us know how we can pray for or serve you, go to divinepeace.com.